0: Amen, alright, well welcome back to another week. We're having a great conversation of what Jesus does in our lives. If you're online this morning, want to welcome you. I'm glad you are with us at One Hope. What we've been talking about is that everything can change in a moment, yeah? Everything can change in a moment. And I think we all have moments in our lives where we look back. We look back and we say, that moment changed me. That moment shaped me. How I live, how I think, those moments have an effect on us. And what I think we see is in the Gospels, people had these moments with Jesus, right? People had these moments with Jesus, and it changed their lives forever. Because how can you be the same after you experience Jesus in a significant and powerful way? So that's where we're going with this series. That's where we're going for these next several weeks. I want us to see these stories um, and and that what they do is they, they remind us how incredible Jesus is. They remind us once again how amazing of a Savior he is, but it doesn't stop there. What I'm hoping this series does is it inspires us motivates us, moves us to, to seeking out and wanting those uh, powerful moving moments in our own lives. That we don't just look at the scriptures and, and see them as a story and you're like, I'm glad they happened. My prayer is that we seek moments like this to happen in our own lives. Because I want you to know that I believe the same Jesus that had those moments with people we see in the Gospels is the same Jesus that wants to have a powerful moment with you. The question is, are you open to that? The question is, do you want him to move in your life that way? So last week, we kicked it off with a a great story about a man that was born blind, and he had that moment experience with Jesus, because in that community, they had never seen a man born blind and then be healed. But then it happened. And and beyond even the healing, what was incredible was what was done in this man's life spiritually. Spiritually. It moved beyond the physical healing and went into the spiritual healing, because what we see at the beginning of the story is he called him that man they called Jesus, and at the end of the story, he calls him Lord. This was a defining moment in this man's life. Well, I got another good story this week. I got one that I think is amazing, and it is very, I think it's going to be very personal for you. It was a defining moment for this guy, but I think it can also transition and potentially be a defining moment for us. As we go into the story, though, I have a question. Have you ever messed up in life? Have you ever messed up in life? Have you ever gone back on your word to someone you're close to? Have you ever done something that you never thought you would do? Have you ever compromised your integrity because of a decision you made in a moment that changed the direction of your life? Now let's forget about the past and let's talk about the present for a second. This year's been a tough year. For some, it's been tough financially. For others, it's been tough emotionally. Well, the reality is it's been tough emotionally for all of us. We've had moments of feeling isolated and lonely. And we just felt worn many of the days. And there have probably been many moments where you felt the pressure of life suffocating you. You just couldn't breathe. And when that pressure was on you, it almost felt like you were going to crack. Have you had that moment in this past year? Because that's what pressure does. It squeezes us, and the byproduct of that is we begin to feel cracks in life. And what these cracks do are, it opens the potential for compromising. Compromising the decisions we're making. You know, this last year's been confusing. This last year's been hard and heavy and unpredictable. And we all, whether we know it or not, we have all been put in a seat of vulnerability. You've been vulnerable. And it's in the seat of vulnerability where we sometimes make terrible decisions. Decisions that cost us something. I believe this because it's what I read on articles all over the, the Internet. I, I read it all over online. I, I see things of the effects of the pandemic, you know, uh, marital affairs have gone up. Divorces, gone up. Sexual addictions on the rise. People are quitting jobs left and right. Just in my world, pastors are quitting their jobs left and right all over this country. Financial integrity issues that are hurting people's lives, businesses, all over the place. And It's not just in big things in life. I also see things like relationships being broken things between people being fractured, because we felt the pressure, and this pressure does something to us. See, when we're in this situation that's overwhelming and exhausting and unpredictable, there's a chance we find ourselves in a place where we do things that we never thought we would do. The, uh, The famous boxer, Mike Tyson. Maybe the strongest, most powerful puncher of all time, said this kind of funny quote. He said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Ever heard that before? Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And this is what I feel this year. Life at moments has felt like it's punched us in the mouth. I believe that's what this year has looked like. And so my question for this morning is, how have you walked through this past year? How have you navigated it? Are there any decisions you regret? Are there any unhealthy habits that have begun? Have you allowed yourself in any area of life to become something you never thought you would become? What would your friends say? What would your spouse say? What would your kids say about how you've walked through this past year? Have you compromised who you know you should be in any area of your life? And I ask these questions to begin today because the story that I want to get to, the person I want to talk about, this is what went on in his life. See, the story I'm going to talk about is about a person who needed, um, uh, a person who needed to be redeemed, to be restored, and then to be repurposed. It's a story about a man that needed to be redeemed, restored, and repurposed because of some decisions that he made in times of pressure. See, the story begins when Jesus is on the edge of the Sea of Galilee. He's on the edge of the Sea of Galilee, and he meets Peter. See, Peter and his co-workers had been out all night, and they had been fishing. But the story tells us they caught nothing. And in this moment, Peter probably felt frustrated and, and completely worn out. And there's Jesus on the edge of the Sea of Galilee, and Peter doesn't have the time for Jesus, but Peter said, I mean, but Jesus says, "Hold on. Hold on for a second. I want you to throw your nets on the other side of the boat." Now, reluctantly, Peter did this, but his life changed forever. If you know or remember this story, on the other side of them throwing the net over the other side of the boat, something incredible happened. They caught so many fish. Everything they had looked for all night long was found in that moment. It was then that the Bible tells us that Peter drops his net and leaves everything behind to follow Jesus. I believe this was Peter's salvation Moment. See, in this moment, he believed Jesus was the one they've been waiting for this whole time. And so he dropped everything to follow him. He was giving up everything he had, everything he was, because of who he believed Jesus was and what he was about. This was a powerful moment of redemption, of being saved. Now, in my opinion, this is the most important moment anybody can have in their life. This is the moment that changes everybody's life, but can I tell you, that's not the moment that I want to focus on today. That's a big moment that is a life-defining moment, but it's not our life-defining moment for this morning, because the story doesn't end there. It's just beginning. Peter's relationship was just getting started. See, Peter and Jesus were doing everything now. Everything together now. Jesus and Peter were becoming best friends. Peter started getting into the inner, inner, inner circle of Jesus' life. Jesus had redeemed Peter's life, and now... Peter was learning how to be a great follower. And so hours and hours and hours were spent together, listening, watching, learning. And Peter's life was changing, and their relationship was changing. But what Peter didn't know, what Peter didn't know was things were about to change. It happened one night where Peter, Jesus, and the disciples were sitting in a room having a meal together. And Peter notices that Jesus is getting pretty serious. He's talking about washing their feet. And then he gives them bread and wine, and he breaks it, and he says, this is my body for you, given for you. And then Jesus, out of nowhere, outs one of the disciples. He outs Judas as one that's about to betray him. This is what's happening in this moment. And then all of a sudden Judas gets up and he abruptly leaves. And you think maybe the moment will calm down. The problem is Jesus continues to talk about betrayal. This is what he says in John 13. My children... I'll be with you only a little longer. You'll look at me just as I told the Jews, so I'll tell you now. Where I'm going, you cannot come. Now a new command I give you, love one another as I've loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Then Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. And Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. So put yourself in this moment. Jesus has just outed Judas, betraying him. Judas gets up and leaves, and then all of a sudden he continues to talk about betrayal. And not only Judas, but Peter. Betrayal through disowning? That's how John describes the moment, John 13. But let me read how Mark describes that exact same moment in his gospel. Mark chapter 14. You all will fall away, Jesus told them. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I've risen, I'll go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, today. Yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even after I have to die with you, I'll never disown you. And all the others said the same. Okay, so Peter has been with Jesus for quite some time now. He has left everything in his life to make this happen. Now Jesus is basically saying it's been nice. It's been good. That decision you made, I saw it, I believed it, but you're about to go back on your word. You're about to make a decision that goes back on that huge, life-changing decision you made only a couple years ago. And you see how Peter responds? Even if I have to die with you, I will never, I will never disown you. Jesus, you are everything to me, the most important thing in my life. Nothing compares to you. If I have to choose death or you, I'll choose you every time. Have you ever been that person before? Honestly, have you ever been that person It's like, Jesus, you're the most important thing in my life. I'll never choose anything over you. I don't know if you're like me. I grew up going to summer youth camp. And these were some of the most life-changing experiences I've ever had. That's why here at the church, when we do this in the summer, I just ask you parents, I beg you, when we send our kids to camp, I just want you to do it, because these moments change lives. I remember many years when I'd be there in the worship services and my heart would be yelling out to God, all I care about is you. In these moments, you are the best. My life is about you, Jesus. In that week, I would make a commitment. I'd make a decision. It's a pretty lofty decision, but I'd make a decision. Jesus, I will never sin again. I will never sin again. Like, everything's about you. I'm out. I'm never sinning again. Because I choose you over everything. You ever been that person before? Maybe not at summer camp. Maybe it's been somewhere else. Maybe it's in a worship service even here. I don't know what your experiences are, but have you ever been that person? Jesus, you're the most important. I'll never go against you. I never want to sin again. But what happens? What happens after that moment? Life happens. Life temptations happen. Life pressure happens. And I don't know if your experiences were the same of, as mine, but when that happened, I would compromise. I would go against the decision that I had made in that moment of worship, and all of a sudden, I compromised. Now, I meant every word that I said. My desire to keep Jesus first and never letting anything be more important than him was real. But life happened. And life happened to Peter as well. Peter felt the pressure. Because after that moment we just read about, where Jesus predicted this, Jesus is arrested. And he's on his path to the crucifixion. And Peter was put in a place where he had to back up the words that he just said to Jesus. But this is what happens. Maybe you know this part of his story. John chapter 18. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside at the door. Now, the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, came back and spoke to the servant girl on duty and brought Peter in. You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, I am not. Uh-oh, okay. Things are not done, though. John 18, 25. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was standing there warming himself by a fire. And they asked him, You aren't one of his disciples too, are you? I am not. Okay. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off in in the garden, challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? And again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began grow. If you read this story in Luke's gospel, he tells us that in this moment, all of a sudden, Peter realizes what I did. And the words that are used are, he wept bitterly he realizes what he just did and he weeps bitterly. All of a sudden he realized he didn't follow through with the commitment that he had made. Under the pressure, he buckled. I was talking about pressure this week to a buddy of mine. We're talking sports and whatever and he said, Scott, you know, pressure bust pipes. You ever heard that saying before? Pressure bust pipes. Well, Peter felt the pressure. Peter's life pressure happened. And because of this, he compromised who he was and what he said he would do. And I know from experience, I think you know from experience what this moment feels like. I can feel the pain of Peter as he's weeping bitterly. Can you? The guilt, the shame, the frustration in himself. I know better. I can't believe that I did this. I can't believe this just happened. It can be the worst feeling. And it just weighs so heavy. This is what's going on in Peter's life. Well, I think you know the rest of the story. Jesus is found guilty by the religious people. He's put on the cross, and he dies. And now Peter is left with this reality. He's left with that memory. He's left with what he just did. What's hanging over him is not that he came through in the clutch for Jesus. It's not that he was consistent with his life of who he said he was. He's living with the memory of, I just compromised who I said I was and everything I was about. So the Gospels say he went back and did what he did before he met Jesus. He went back fishing. But as we know, And what he's about to know is that his relationship and his story with Jesus is not over yet. Because, yes, Jesus dies. But three days later, he rises again, and he begins to show himself to all of his friends. Then one day, while Peter is out fishing with his friends, Jesus comes to the edge of the Sea of Galilee, and he calls for him. See, it was early morning, and the guys had been fishing all night, and they had caught nothing. You heard this once before. They're out all night, and they hadn't caught anything. And there's Jesus at the edge of the water. And he yells to them, have you caught anything? No. He says, throw your net on the other side of the boat. Can you imagine the memory that's triggered in them right in that moment? Is this Jesus? We've heard this before. We've walked through this before. It's Jesus. And they do what they tell him to do. And at that moment, 153 fish were caught. Just like that. And after they catch the fish and they bring it in, they take off to see Jesus because they're so excited to see him. And what they do is they take some of that fish, they gather around, they have a meal, they cook it over a, 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 like a bonfire. And then Peter and Jesus have a conversation that you and I have to remember. We have to hear either for the first time or again. John chapter 21. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? You know all things. You see what's inside of me. Yes, I love you. And Jesus says, okay, feed my sheep. Put yourself right now in the seat of Peter. You have made maybe the biggest mistake of your life. You've made a bunch of mistakes, but this is the biggest mistake in your life. You have compromised your character. You've compromised who you said you are and what you would do. You've compromised your life. And there, Jesus is looking at him face to face. He's looking at Jesus face to face. And they both knew what happened, they both knew the decisions that he'd been making. Both knew what that moment was like. And there they are together. But Jesus knew what Peter needed. I said at the beginning today that this was a story of a man who needed to be redeemed and restored and repurposed in life. See, Peter had already given his life to Jesus, but what happened He had given his life to Jesus. He was saved. He was redeemed. But what happened? He sinned. He failed. And look at how John wants to end his gospel, to end his good news about Jesus. Look how he wants to end his story about who Jesus is. He ends it with Jesus coming back. And reminding Peter about something that you and I have to be reminded about. Peter had failed. But Jesus was right there, ready to restore him. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Three times, covering three denials. Jesus looks at this person who has a heart of gold but isn't perfect and has made mistakes. And he looks and he says, don't worry, you're still mine. I think Jesus trying to get across to him, don't worry, you're still mine. You messed up, but you're still mine. Do you love me because I still love you? You may not feel worthy. You may not know who you are. You may not know what you're supposed to do after you fail. But Jesus is making it clear. Peter was still his. And not only that, he was his. He wanted to reaffirm his calling. He wanted to repurpose. To remind him of his purpose in life. Peter, the calling I gave you is still your calling. Feed my sheep. Peter, you know what you're supposed to do. I've told you, take care of my sheep. Peter, your worth, your identity, your calling are still in me. I know that you failed, but I'm telling you, you still have a purpose. I've redeemed you. I've restored you, and I'm repurposing you. John wants to end his gospel, the story of the good news of Jesus, with this story. And can I tell you something that I think is so powerful about this story today? How I see this story today is that we are Peter and Jesus is still Jesus. The person has changed But I'm Peter, but Jesus is still Jesus. He has not changed. We have all sinned and need to be redeemed. We have all failed and need to be restored. We all have a calling and need to be repurposed in life. This is the story of our life. Will you own that story of your life? That we have all sinned and need to be redeemed. We have all failed and will fail again and need to be restored. We all have a calling and need to be repurposed again in life on the other side of the restoration. See, Jesus knew Peter like he knows us. See, for Peter to become everything that God created him to be, he needed to experience the fullness of Jesus and what he came to do in humanity, for all of humanity. Without this experience, Peter would only be talking from theory, not from first-hand account. But after Peter experienced the redemption, the restoration, and the repurposing of his life, it was no no longer something that Jesus could do. It was something that Jesus did. And I believe Peter walked this moment out for the rest of his life. Why I share this moment with us is I believe this was a defining moment in Peter's life that shaped how he thought, how he lived, how he he engaged in everything in life. And of course, the reason I want to tell you this story this morning is this can be a defining moment for us. I said at the beginning, I don't want it just to be a story that we hear. I want it to be something that's real for us. I want to be something that we just don't hear and go, wow, Jesus, you're awesome, but something that moves us, motivates us, inspires us to seek that with Jesus ourselves, that I want to tell you that Jesus did come, he did die, he did rise again, so that we could be redeemed if we believe in him. And maybe, hear me, maybe there's someone that needs that today. But maybe there's others, look at me, hear me this morning. That even after you've given your life to Jesus, you may have had that moment of failure. I brought up about this year during pressure that things may have pushed you. People, Things may have been like, I, I, just life is tough and you may have made some decisions you regret. There may be some habits that have begun that you regret. There may have been some things in your life right now that you're like, I know they're not supposed to be there. But that love that made Jesus come and die on the cross is the same love that wants to restore you back to him. And not only restore you back to him, but wants to restore you so that you can live in the purpose that he's called for you. This morning, you saw, you saw the conversation between Peter and Jesus. But here's the question I want to ask you. What does the conversation look like that happens between you and Jesus? Because we're all Peter. I'm still Peter in my life. That's why when he weeps bitterly, I go, yeah. I know what that moment feels like. Because I have those moments, I'm like, I'm better than that. I know I am. Jesus, you are everything, and I believe that. Nothing compares to you, I believe that. But sometimes life happens. You see the, the, the conversation between Peter and Jesus, but I want to know what the conversation's going to be like between you and Jesus. Romans 2, 4 says that his loving kindness leads us to Repentance his loving kindness leads us to repentance. Jesus is not going to shame you back to him. Jesus is not going to yell you back to him. But he does want to have a conversation. And I'm this morning looking just for some honesty. Is there anybody that needs to be redeemed, to be saved, to be brought to Jesus because your life is not his? And this happens just through a prayer of forgiveness. God forgive me, I see you died on the cross for me, you love me, you rose again so my life can be you. God redeem my life, my life is yours. You can be Peter where you leave everything behind, you drop the nets, okay I'll follow you with my life. I never know if there's someone who's not made that decision, and I want to always give that chance, whether it's in here or it's wherever you are today. But maybe for others, you've got to open that box up a little bit and be honest with yourself of life and go, I've been trying to hide these things but I got some things in my life that don't line up with who I say I am in Jesus. There are some character things in my life that I am doing that I don't need to be doing. I said I keep reading everywhere. where These things are rising up in these pressure moments of life and just there may be you. There may be you. But the best message I can give you this morning is that if you're Peter right now and you've went against what you said who you said you'd be in Jesus that Jesus wants to restore you. This is what he came to do. And maybe he wants to give you a story so you don't just speak it in theory but you speak it in first hand, a first hand account. Jesus, I know what you came to do. And it's not just something that you came to do but it's something you did in my life. And so maybe this morning as we're going to end in worship, you just got to be honest with God and say, God, I failed failed I failed I don't I didn't mean to I don't want to but I failed but forgive me and will you love me the way you love Peter that I can see in this story and then will you this morning be reaffirmed to he has called you something into this world your sin does not take away a calling for God in your life if he restores you back. That maybe you've walked away from Jesus and you need to be restored and get back into what he's called you to do. And so we're gonna end in worship today and I just want this to be a Peter and Jesus moment for you. If you need that. So can I pray for a second then we go into worship? Heavenly Father, I don't know the stories in this room. I don't know the stories online. I don't know the people that need to be redeemed, saved by your death and resurrection on the cross, but if there is anybody that needs that, God, may they come to you and ask for that forgiveness and give their life over to you. God, I don't know in this room or online of people who have failed, have sinned, even after they've given their life to you, and you need to restore them back into the relationship with you. God, may there be humility today. And God, there may be other people who they feel like they've done this and maybe they've asked for forgiveness, but they don't even feel like they can still be used by you. And God, may you put your loving kindness on us today to remind us that we are called by you for something more. And God, we will live in that as we're restored by you. You don't rip everything away from us. You're asking us to join you and building your kingdom on this earth and the specific calling in our life. So if there's anybody in this room, God, may they be encouraged today that their purpose, their identity, their calling, everything, is still found in you and after they're restored to you, may they be excited to get back to work with you. God, I just ask for your Holy Spirit to be loving, to be kind, to be powerful, and may you speak to us, your people, as we worship you and end today. It's your name we pray.